Right. For those of you who uh, worship with your eyes closed and have no idea what I'm talking about, you can talk to somebody else later. Y'all doing okay? Awesome. So uh, we have, I, th- I told you we have guys that play basketball out here on our basketball court, and they're, they're several different groups that are coming all the time. And uh, so I shot free throws with them one day. And uh, so last week I, I challenged a couple of guys to a game of horse. And uh, I, I said, if I win, I get to ask you two questions. And if you win, I only get to ask you one question. <laughs> Knowing that my one question would be, can I ask you two questions? And um, <clears throat> so then after I beat them, <laughs> I asked them two questions. Uh, would you say you are close to God or far away? Knowing that no matter what they answered, my next question would be, would you like to be closer? So I had a chance to pray for these two guys. So we'll circle back to that in a little bit. Uh, if you've been here for the last two or three weeks, we've been talking a little bit about uh, some stuff. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about, do you remember, clearing the fog around who God is. We want to clear the fog around who God is. We want to know, really, who is, who is God and what is he like. So we want to clear the fog. And we said the best way to clear the fog is to focus on Jesus and really look at at who Jesus is and, and what he valued and how he lived. Uh, the second thing we talked about was narrowing the gap between what we say we believe and how we actually behave. So narrowing the gap between belief and behavior. So today, what we want to talk about is removing the wall that exists between those who believe and those who don't. And I want, I want to read some verses. Uh, first, let's look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. Keep going. (laughs) But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And then from Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Some versions say, I will teach you how to fish for men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So, 
just a crazy statistic to throw out there. And we'll pick on Canada. Anybody here from Canada? Where are you? Eh? Eh? Where are you? Raise your hand. Who's can't? Where are we? Ah, okay. My good friend. So, being a Canadian, do you know what percentage in 1955 of Canadians attended church on a weekly basis? 68%. Hey, do you know what percentage in 2018 of Canadians attend church on a weekly basis? 13%. 13%. It's, it's getting crazy out there, y'all. It's really getting crazy. And so the question is, how do we eliminate the wall? Well, obviously, there's a wall. There's a wall between those who believe and, and those who don't believe. And, and uh, I'm going to tell you from the get-go, there's, there's not just one answer to this question. I kind of I, I threw it out there to the prayer guys before we gathered in here before prayer. and They had some great answers. May, may, I don't know. Maybe their answers were better than mine. But, but you see, the rules of the game is that because I make the game, I make the rules. And so to win the game, you have to know what my answer is. And so nobody won the game. But here's what I think. If you want to eliminate the wall, I think you have to live on the other side of the wall. If you want to eliminate the wall between those who believe and those who don't believe, you have to live on the other side of the wall. If we continue to camp out over here with, on the side of the wall where everyone believes, we'll never eliminate the wall. But we have to learn to live on the other side of the wall. Let me, let me give you some examples of that. I, I think Jesus did that on a pretty regular basis. Uh, in John chapter 4, we know the story of Jesus going to uh, the well. He's, he's hot and thirsty. We know uh, from the scripture that it's, it's about noon, hottest, hottest part of the day. And so Jesus goes to the well uh, in the heat of the day. Now, there's some things that are interesting about that. Uh, one is that typically there's nobody there at that time. Now, gathering water, collecting water was the woman's job. Now, I'm not making a political statement. You know, don't stone me. I'm just, in that day, in the culture that Jesus lived in, the women got the water. And they would go to a public place, the public well, to get the water. And it was a dual-purpose event. It was a time to get water, but it was also a time to socialize. They like to talk. I know that's shocking. They, <clears throat> they like to gather and they like to talk and they would have conversation around the well. That was their social gathering. They didn't have Facebook, so they actually talked to people face-to-face. And they would have this gathering around the well. But it was always in the cool of the day. They'd do it in the morning or in the evening when it, when it was cool, not at the heat of the day. And so if Jesus goes at noon when it's really hot, I would suggest that there's, it's one of two reasons. And you can decide which one you think. It's one of two reasons. Either he didn't want to see anybody or he wanted to see her, one person that he knew would be there. This woman we know as we read through the story, was not a woman of good reputation. 
And so she didn't want to go to the well when everyone else was there because she lived on the other side of the wall. She avoided the crowd because she knew she'd be missed. She knew she'd be rightly judged. She knew she was a sinful person. That's why she avoided the crowd. She knew that she would be judged. She knew that she would be treated badly. She knew that she would be shunned more than likely. So she went to the well at a time when no one else would be there. She's a woman. Now, here, here, here's where it gets crazy. Jesus initiates conversation with her, which is totally out of the box because, number one, she's a woman. She's, number two, a Samaritan. Number three, she's a person of questionable character. That's strike one, strike two, strike three. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to be a woman. I'm saying that in this particular context, men do not talk to women in public. Do you know that men didn't even talk to their wives very much in public? During that time. And so with Jesus, you've got, he's a, he's single. He's a male. He represents religious thinking and he's Jewish. That's four reasons why he would not talk to her. But what did he do? He talked to her. Jesus lived on the other side of the wall. Now, if you, the scripture we read in Mark talks about Jesus calling Peter. And this is another example of how Jesus lived on the other side of the wall. Uh, Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark, we find in chapter 1, he calls Peter and says, come follow me. And then several things happen. He, uh, he goes, once the disciples start following him, the few that he's called, they follow him where? To the synagogue. He goes first to the synagogue and he preaches. Then after that, he heals some people. And then after that, he goes to Peter's house and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. Now that's where it got really serious. That's that's when you knew that Peter was in it to win it. And so he heals Peter's mother-in-law. And then what did he do? What did he do after that? He went on the other side of the wall. Do you know what was on the other side of the wall? Tax collectors. Tax collectors. Think about this. So Peter is a fisherman, and being a fisherman in this day and age was a hard job. It was a difficult job, and it was difficult largely because of the excessive taxes that were placed on the industry by Herod, uh, Herod Antipas. And so... Jesus takes Peter and a couple of other fishermen that he's called to follow him and and goes and takes them with him to dinner with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. I just want to tell you clearly that Levi or Matthew and Peter were not friends. They would not have been friends. You could not have paid them to be friends. But Jesus takes Peter with him. First, he calls Matthew and says, come follow me. And just like Peter dropped his fishing nets, Matthew leaves his tax collector table to follow Jesus. And the next thing you know, there they are together behind the wall having dinner. And when Jesus is questioned about it, why are you eating with sinners? 
Jesus said, it's the sick people who need a doctor. It's the sick people who need a doctor. So you got to learn to live behind the wall. And, and there are some things that you need behind the wall. Okay? Uh, you need to be able to see. You need to be able to listen. And you need to be able to speak. Probably in that order. You need to see. You need to listen. You need to speak. You also need to be able to tell your story in three minutes. And you need to be able to tell his story in three minutes. And your story needs to somehow be in his story. Does that make sense? So yesterday, no, I take that back, not yesterday, Friday, I had a chance by some crazy random occurrence, I had a chance to play golf. Yeah. It was a divine appointment. Let me just tell you. So typically when I go play golf with strangers, and I, and I love to play golf with strangers, I, I like to play golf with friends as well, but, but I, I like to go uh, typically to cobblestone and just hook up with people that I don't know and play golf. And, and traditionally the way it's worked is about the 12th hole. They ask me what I do, and I tell them, and then they don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> but on Friday, this guy looks at me on the first tee box and says, so what do you do that allows you to be out here on a Friday? And I told him, I'm a pastor. So we had 18 holes, and it's just the two of us. It's just the two of us. And in 18 holes, I was able to share with him about the Welsh revival in 1902, 1904, I was able to share my personal testimony. I was able to talk to him about Riverstone a little bit, and I was able to share with him the gospel in 18 holes. How, you're asking me. You, I know you're wondering, how in the world do you bring the Welsh revival into a round of golf, right? So he hits a shot, and it's going to the right, and he starts yelling at his golf ball, go left, go left, go left. And I said, that reminds me of the story. He looks at me, he's like, what? And I said, talking to your golf ball. Your golf ball obviously doesn't know your language. You told it to go left, it's going to the right. It's kind of like in the Welsh Revival when the, when the farmers would tell their mules what to do. But because their mules were used to them cursing, once the revival hit, the mules didn't understand what they were saying. They had to reteach their mules their language. He's looking at me, he's like, what? And I said, you don't know about the Welsh Revival? And he said, I have no idea. And so then I got to tell him the whole story about the Welsh Revival. And he said, we need one of those today. Because he's right. Okay, so you got to learn to live behind the wall. you got to be able to tell your story in three minutes, okay? So let me get my watch out here. Who's going to go first? All right, I got my timer ready. First, Daniel, come up here. <clears throat> Where's my, uh, let me have that for a second. I told you, didn't I? I said, I told him someday. I didn't say today. <laughs> so hold that. So I'm not going to ask you to tell your story in three minutes. But I do want to tell, I want you to tell them, because 
you and your family, y'all have learned to live on the other side of the wall a little bit. So tell them kind of what you do awesome. for fun. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Good. Awesome. So for fun, I like to reach the people who haven't been reached. Like I literally have a passion within me to reach people who don't know Jesus, but more importantly, people who have been pushed away. The people that society deems garbage or unacceptable or too far gone. Mm-hmm. Um, quite honestly, the easier reached ones, if that even makes sense, doesn't tickle me. Um, and I think it's basically a revelation of God's word, like being a warrior for his kingdom. Yeah. And that mindset, um, especially in worship today, really hit me how he sent the worshipers above or excuse me, before mm-hmm. all yeah. everyone else in the battle yeah. of Jericho, like yeah. how valuable it is to be <clears throat> hidden in him and to be able to advance the kingdom with the people on the front line that by society standards shouldn't even be reached because they're treasures. They're special people. They're things hidden within them that the world needs, that the city needs, because those are the untapped things. So tell them what you're doing. So, um, so what we're doing, my bride and I, um, some brothers and sisters in Christ um, outside of Riverstone, we've been going to Must Ministries Homeless Shelter on Cobb Parkway, the Elizabethan location. So if you know anything about that, um, rather if you don't, I'll tell you. Um, just, no, just tell them what you're doing. Okay, so what we do in there is we take a group of people. Every Sunday at 9 o'clock, except for the first Sunday of the month, and we minister the gospel to them. So we sit there with them. We rub elbows with them. We talk with them. We pray with them. We worship with them. We speak to them. We let them talk to us. And they have amazing hearts, and they're amazing people. And, yeah, we're just loving on them. So you're having church with the homeless. That's it. Amen. Who knew? So that's that's just, just, just one example of, of living on the other side of the wall. Uh, I, I will tell you clearly that the days of the people on the other side of the wall coming to us are over. And so unless we're willing to go to them, they won't be reached. Okay? So, all right, who's going to be the first? I need the first person to come to share your story in three minutes. Who's first? Okay, who's second? <laughs> Don't make me call on somebody. All right, who's gonna, I got first. Who's second? Who's second? Just come on up. And, and then who's third? I just need one more. One, two, three. Perfect. Okay, guys. All right, now this is your story of how you came to the Lord in three minutes. Okay, and I got a timer here. It would be embarrassing if you, you know, didn't make it, right? Right. Okay. All right, on your mark. Yes, sir. Go. Okay. I'm Charles George I. I came to the Lord when I was 17 years old. Um, came to a basketball gym, a church that was a basketball gym. Uh, they met in a basketball gym. I, the, I don't know, a couple days before that, I grew up, I never went to church. My family never went to church. And 
I was invited by someone uh, at my high school to come to church on Sunday morning, and I'd never been to church before. I was like, okay. Well, at the same time, I, like, fell in love with this girl, uh, you know, in high school, and found out that wasn't going to work out, and that really, uh, you know, I was like, devastating to me at the time. So, spend too much time on the girl. I, um, that night before, I spent about seven or eight hours staring at the ground in deep depression and thought I was going to kill myself. Wow. And, uh, because of this girl. And, um, I almost did. The only reason <laughs> that I didn't was because this guy invited me to church. Wow. And so you go to church the next day. So got up the next morning. And I went to church. I was depressed uh, in the back row, looking at the ground, staring at a puddle of tears on the ground. And the preacher, I found out later, stopped his sermon in the middle of the sermon. And said, I feel like there's someone out there who doesn't have any hope. And I hadn't heard anything up to that point. I looked up because the Holy Spirit obviously got my attention. And he said, I want you to, whoever you are, I want you to run up here. And because if you run up here, then Jesus will give you a hope. That no one can ever, ever take away from you. And I knew I was supposed to. I jumped up and ran to the top, to the front, and that whole church came around me and prayed for me, and I was saved. Come. That was awesome. You did great. You have 20 seconds left. Good job, man. All right. I'll come down with you. <clears throat> you want somebody to hold your baby? Kristen, hold her. You want? Come on. Just stand right here. There you go. All right, wait. Let me get my timer. You ready? Yeah. Okay, go. My name is Lucian Denny. Um, so I was raised Catholic. I kind of strayed from the Lord. And then when I was 16, I was in a severe car accident. I broke most of my body uh, and spent two lovely months in Grady. And I had a lot of questions of why am I here? Why, why did I make it through all that when I should have clearly been dead? I was, I was off the interstate and was found outside my vehicle. Um, and... I was still questioning, and this woman came to me at the place I was working, and she started speaking life into me and invited me to church and then later on to Cameroon. And um, just while I was over there, it just gave my life meaning. It showed me how real the spiritual world is and how how people's lives are truly changed by God, and I just gave my life over to him then and haven't looked back. Look at that. That's amazing. Hey, proud of you. Way to go. All right, Shane. You can stand up for a 
I just didn't want her to have to climb up here with a baby. I understand. <laughs> Are you ready? You're such a gentleman. Uh, well, yeah. There you go. Hi, my name is Shane Long, and uh, my story starts when I was in middle school, believe it or not. Um, I was short, fat, picked on constantly, got suspended eight times in seventh grade for fighting just because that was my life. I was depressed. Uh, it was terrible. And my dad, as I was starting into ninth grade, um, he came home one night from playing poker. He's a pretty avid poker player sat on the bed, and he said, you know, one of his friends had just been through a very tragic accident, and he sat on the bed, and he said he literally saw an angel and a demon, and he had never gone to church, hadn't spent any time in church, and he said, you need to choose, wow. and um, he chose, and so we started going to church, and that was the first time I had been unconditionally loved. Wow. It was amazing, so... We're sitting in the back row of the church on Sunday morning with my new friends, and they're doing the altar call. And uh, Jerry says, I said, man, what's that they're doing at the end? He goes, you've never been down front? And I went, no, I've never <laughs> been down front. You guys, you got to go right now. It's cool at the front. Yeah. You must go right now. So I went down, uh, found out pretty quickly that they, they were giving their life to Jesus. Wow. Um, again, God gave me, you know, grace in all of that. Um, gave me newfound friends, gave me, uh, for most people that talk about when they become a Christian, their life, you know, they're persecuted. Mine was just the opposite. Mine, God had just raised me up. And uh, what was really interesting is I turned and ran from God, though. I had all this, I had this, now this esteem. And uh, when I started working, I kind of just walked away from God. One day I went to church. I was like, man, God, just please meet me here. And nothing happened. Went to church that night. It was a Sunday morning, Sunday night thing. Nothing happened. And all those friends that uh, I had kind of turned my back on mm-hmm. said, hey, why don't you come to this fellowship after church? Mm-hmm. I went to church, and I'm sitting there listening to each of these young people talk about Jesus as if he was their best friend, wow. as if he as if he was right there. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know what you have. But that's what I want. Wow. And God just came flooding in, and it was a pretty amazing story. Awesome. See how easy that is? Three minutes. Three minutes. In three minutes, you can do this. So here we go. So I grew up in a Christian home. We were in church pretty much every Sunday. As a teenager, I just wandered and became somewhat rebellious. My mom would say extremely rebellious. Uh, my mom said one time to my dad, I'm worried about the friends that Tom is choosing. And my dad said, uh, Tom's friend's parents are worried as well. And <laughs> so that, that was kind of, you know, who I was. Uh, in college, I was assigned a term paper on biblical prophecy. And, and the only book in the library was a King James Bible, the only book that had anything to do with prophecy. I bought it. I, I checked it out. I started reading it. And one thing led to another. I wound up in a pastor's office one night late. I had gone there to look for books in the church library. And somewhere along the way, uh, I felt like instead of going to the library, I should go to the pastor's office and tell him everything I'd ever done. And sitting in his office, I told him everything I had ever done. And then he led me to Jesus. He just asked, would you like to be a Christian? And I said, yes. And he prayed with me. I gave my life to Jesus, and my life turned 
180 degrees in one night. That's a minute and 15 seconds. You can do this. This It's not hard. Okay, now I need two people who can come up here and in three minutes tell me the story of God. (laughs) That sounds crazy, doesn't it? You want me to explain God in three minutes? Yeah, I do. I sure do. I want you to tell me the story of God in in three minutes. I need two people. Come on. Yes. Well, I need one more. Sarah, thank you. You raised your hand, Sarah Seely. I know you were adjusting your glasses, but it looked to me like you were raising your hand. <laughs> you, you, you ready? You ready? Come on. Come on. Step up. Yeah. You could take my place someday. What do you think? You want to take my place someday? Yeah, it could happen. So you're going to tell the story of God in three minutes. Ready? Go. You're good. Tell us about Jesus. What do you think about him? Is he good? Nervous? You want me to do it? You all right? Well, let's start with the beginning. What have we read in our Bible? What? How, how was Jesus born? Let's start there. Here, talk to me. Talk to me. You wanted to come up here. You gotta, you gotta say, say stuff now. You good? Are right, you? You want her to go first? You just sit here and think about what you're gonna say, okay? And then we'll go. Come on, Sarah. You thought you were gonna get to go second, didn't you? All right, you ready? Here we go. One, two, story of God. Um, I'd say in the beginning, there was God, and He was in perfect relationship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he wanted to offer himself for others to enjoy. And so he created man. And he wanted relationship with man, but um, he, in order to do that, he had to give us an option to choose him or not. And so um, he loved us enough to let us fail. And then pursued us to teach us who he is and so in the process of falling and being broken and um and lost in our sin we see we get a chance to see who he really is and his heart for us that there's nothing that can separate us from his love and so he does that throughout history but the pinnacle of that is when jesus god himself comes makes himself like us puts off all his glory and gets in the dirt with us and dies for us in our place and trades everything he is for everything we are not and welcomes us back into relationship with him. Nice. Story of God. A minute and 20 seconds. Okay. Come sit with me. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask you a question. And do, you, do you have something to say? You want me to ask you a question and you can answer it. You good? So, you have something to say? Okay, go for it. Um, Do you like Jesus? Yes. Does he like you? 
Yes. That's pretty much it. That's the story of God right there. He loves you. Good. Yeah. He loves you enough that he came to die on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. So there would be nothing to separate you from him because he loves you so much he doesn't want anything to keep you from him. So he came and lived on the earth and took away everything that separates you from him. So now there's nothing between you and him. That's pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So tell him thank you. Say thanks, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. You're the best. You're awesome. See how easy that is? He did that in like 15 seconds. So here's, so that, this is the deal. So you, we got to learn to live behind the wall. And, and we have to be willing when God opens the door and gives us a chance. We've got to be willing to speak. We have to know what our story is. And, and you really, you don't need, your story doesn't need to last two hours. I know it's interesting to you for two hours, but trust me, for most people it's not. Three minutes, three minutes, maybe two if you can, and then and the story of God, how you came to God and, and why God came for us. God created us for himself. He created all of creation. We are the prize of his creation. He created it. We ruined it, and then he came and bought it back. Story of God, 10 seconds. You can do this. If you don't, do it. Who's going to do it? If you don't go behind the wall, they're just going to die over there. Okay? All right, I'm going to do one more. Susan Norris. This is a lady who lives on the other side of the wall. So tell them what you do on the other side of the wall. Uh, we serve survivors of sex trafficking and do education uh, for those that are first responders so that they can reach out because um, in a similar way, those that are first responders stay in their area. And when people from the other side come into their environment, they don't really feel very welcome. They don't know the right questions to ask, and they have a tendency to judge and to look at those people like they don't belong, even in a hospital or at a police station or in some times in, an, in a school environment. And so um, we give them tools so that they can reach out and help those. Okay, so now... Um, again, you can do this and you can do it on a daily basis. Now understand this. Do you know what you need to be doing at work? Working. <laughs> when you're at work, you need to work and you need to work in a way that honors God and brings glory to him. So I'm not saying, you know, slough off on your job and just preach all the time. Go to work and work. But God will give you relationships at work, and he will open doors where you can share in three minutes. You can't share for an hour and a half at work, but three minutes, maybe you can do that. When you're off at the golf course, I'm not, a, I'm not chatty. <laughs> I promise you, and people, people that play golf with me, I'm, you know, I'm not chatty. <laughs> 
when I go to play golf, I'm thinking about golf. But when I play golf with people who are not believers, it's different. And I'm very intentional about conversations. And I look for opportunities to speak. Get it? Okay. Good. Morning, everyone. Hold us up here. My name is Paulette, and I'm a nurse. I work with the veterans. Can I have all the veterans in here stand up? Please. Please. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, thank you for what you did so that I can come here today to worship. Mm-hmm. I could not have gone and done what you did, but today I serve you. I work with men and women, some of them who don't know that they're loved, lots of them who are substance abusers who have PTSD, who I'm in the operating room and I get to see them at their lowest. But sometimes when God puts you there at their lowest is when you are the strongest for them. I have a passion for them, I fight for them. But within all of that is the knowledge that without God, I would not have been placed there to serve them. They know this as they go in and as they go under anesthesia. They know this as they wake up. And they see me in the corridor, and I hug them, and I love on them. In the workplace, hugging is not a part of our everyday environment. (laughs) It's because it can be misconstrued. But for me, I'm a hugger. I love on them. They know this. The people around me know this. I fight for them with administration, to get supplies, to get equipment, to get everything in there. But without God, I would not have been able to do this. Because most days I go into work and face with situations that I tremble. But because of the courage that is placed in me to know that, you know what, you know, I'm where he wants me to be right now. I can do this. And as I was sitting down there, I wasn't going to get up. But ever since Pastor Tom said, tell your story in three minutes, the conviction came over me. And I kept telling God, I am not going to get up. I don't want to get up. So when everyone else came up, I said, no, I'm going to sit. And then he pushed me out of my seat. So this is called, what what they call it? interrupted grace or something like that yeah but (laughs) i'm just here to serve and to the presence of god in me just to worship him just to let these people know that they're loved and he loves them Mm. i'm sometimes asked to pray before they go into surgery and i do it willingly so Mm. thank you veterans thank you thank you that was awesome thank you for that All right, I'll say one more thing and then uh, we're going to 
have some baptisms. We have, we have some exciting baptisms to do today. In fact, if you're being baptized, Terry, why don't you go ahead and let's try to kind of get them going, get them lined up over there. We get the lights on around the baptismal. Um, <clears throat> so, again, you can do this. After we baptize people, we're going to have a, a short time of ministry, and we'll have teams available to pray for you. <clears throat> I would love for some of you who, who hear this and you, you think, boy, I, I know that's something I should do. It scares me to death uh, to come for prayer. Uh, there's really... This shouldn't scare you. I know it, I know it does scare some of us. Um, we, we, we don't like rejection. We're afraid of, you know, what if I say something and they shoot me down? Well, we read in Jeremiah, he says, Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you. Every person in this room, before you were even born, God had destined you for this purpose making disciples, winning the lost. Don't be afraid. You may get rejected, but the Lord says in Jeremiah, don't be afraid of them because I am with you. Okay? That's a pretty good trade. You can carry the Lord with you into this. And you again, you and the Lord against any number, you, you've got the advantage. Okay? All right. Now, last thing I'll say. If you grew up in a tradition that taught you that God is a gentleman and he never makes you do anything you don't want to do, well, guess what? He does. And some of you have heard God never, you know, does things without you asking. Well, guess what? He does. He just does what he wants to do because he's God and he gets to do that. And sometimes he'll answer your prayers before you pray them. So don't think you have to ask him. You don't have to say, God, I'm willing to see him put you there. Chances are, because you heard this today, you're going to be in it next week. Is it my fault? No, it's not my fault. It's your fault. But you're going to be in it next week. Okay? So just be ready. Be ready. Go home tonight. Get in front of a mirror. Three minutes. Push your phone. You can do it. Shoot for two minutes. It'll be great. Y'all ready? All right, we're going to baptize some folks.